Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 25 years. I'm a life coach, fantasy author, and engineer. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. Hi, I'm Jesse Tugney, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 10 years now. I'm currently a student at Montana State and learning more and more about how our world works. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, feature members of the type 1 community who are just like you, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 141 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're talking with Prachi Nagpal, a type 1 diabetic MBA student and India's first national pageant winner with type 1 diabetes. Jesse has the win this week. All right. So everybody knows I played rugby on here. If you've been listening for a while, you probably know that anyways. So this last weekend, I played my first sevens rugby tournament, which is where you only have seven people on a field and tournaments last all day because in sevens games, there's only seven minute halftime. So the whole game only lasts 16 minutes with halftime included. So it's pretty intense. It's like a full on sprint for about 15 minutes. And then, yeah, you just play rugby and that's pretty cool. But the surprising, this is the win. The surprising thing was during the five games we played, I didn't go low once, which was so surprising. And I think I finally got this whole sports thing figured out a little bit more. So yeah, that's the win. That's awesome. That's that's kind of like high intensity interval training, kind of. That's that's exactly what it is. Anyway, yeah. My friend told me she's diabetic on the team too, and she goes, "Well, sprinting actually makes your blood sugar go up in a way, so this is great for it." And I was just like, "Oh, okay, great. This is awesome." (laughs) (laughs) All right, my fail this week is some kind of weird lows that are happening about an hour and a half after I go to sleep. It kind of bottoms out at 50, which is pretty low, but then it comes back up and there may or may not be Smarties involved, usually just one roll or something, but it's usually, it usually seems more like a compression low because it comes right back up after it goes down to 50, or it could be a response to earlier exercise, just like a late response to it. I don't know at this point. We'll just see how it goes. Jesse, what is the the tip this week? Okay. So no matter what, if you're going to be playing a sport or doing some sort of sports event, eat breakfast. It really, 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 really helps, especially like maybe an hour, hour and a half before you have to play. This can really help maintain your blood sugars throughout the day, keep them stabilized. You won't go low, like from hunger, a hunger low. You'll feel a lot stronger and you'll play a lot better if you eat food. So, yeah. Good advice. All right. Here is Prachi. Hi, Prachi. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Tell us who you are and the role that diabetes plays in your life. Hi, everyone. I am Prachi Nakpal, a 23-year-old living in India. I was diagnosed with diabetes at the age of 15. And the role that it has placed has changed in the last couple of years since my diagnosis. I hated it in the beginning. I literally wanted it to just be over after a point 
And today when I look at how my life is going every day now, I feel that I'm glad I got this because there's so much it has taught me that I don't think I would have learned if I was not a type 1 diabetic. That is a good point. So being diagnosed at 15, what was that like? Do you have a like a crazy diagnosis story? How did that all happen? I think the only crazy part about my diagnosis story was the fact that so in India here, so after our 10th grade, which is middle school for you there, we have a certain set of exams which are known as the board exams. They basically decide if we what stream are we going to choose after this particular phase of our life and it basically sets the foundation for everything else now we do. My board exams were three months away when I was diagnosed in December. And I had absolutely no idea that something like this exists because my grandparents always had diabetes. So in my head, I always used to assume that, okay, this happens to elderly people. Why would a kid end up having diabetes? But when my mom, she randomly, because we have been giving insulin once a day and taking giving medicines to my grandparents, my mom somehow just felt like, you know, we should just check your sugar levels on a random Sunday. And she comes to my room at 6.30 a.m. and she tells me that, get up, I need to check your sugar levels. And I didn't know that device, the glucometer. I had absolutely no idea what it looks like before this. Because I never paid attention to my grandparents' diabetes diagnosis and management as well. And when she pricked me and put my blood on the strip, my sugars came down to 326. And she was like, this doesn't seem right. So she checked her sugar levels because she thought that the machine was wrong. And hers were fine. And then she told me that, listen, I think you need to go to the doctor now. I don't think this is the way it's supposed to be. And when we ran to the doctor... He got a couple of tests done for us and that was it. I mean, I felt like within an hour, you had to restart your whole life because that's what it hit me like. That within one hour, my whole life changed when he told me that you have type 1 diabetes and now you have to take insulin four times a day. Basically, you can do this, you cannot do this, you can eat this, you cannot eat this. And I was like, one hour ago, I was just a kid preparing for her boards. Now you are telling me I have to manage so many things. And like, not even just that, but your mom's like mom instinct at 6.30 a.m. Let's check her blood sugar. Something like in her brain is like, we need to, we need to just check this. (laughs) Yes, because I was losing a lot of weight. I was drinking so much water and I started feeling so lethargic most of the times. So she just got so worried. And the night before, when, when she checked my sugars, I puked. And she thought that this is not something that's very normal for somebody who's a teenager. I I wasn't even working out or something. So she just thought that this is not right. Losing weight so unhealthily is not right. And then I was like, thank God she had that instinct. Because I've heard diagnosis stories of people which shiver me to to each cell in my body. And I feel like I'm glad I was not one of these people who took it so took so long to reach to that point of their diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, you have to take insulin four times a day. Does that mean you're on MDI, so multiple daily injections? Do you have a pump, CGM? What is the management situation for you? So I was actually not made aware of the pump or the CGM until 
a one and a one and a half year back because in india it's not so common here for diabetics to use devices i mean it's a huge taboo to even take an injection in public so if somebody sees you with a device on you especially a cgm i do have a cgm but when they see something on you here or a pump you're bound to be made fun of or criticized about it so right now i am on an mdi and i think i like the way it's been going because i when i tried cgm for the first couple of months a uh, one and a half year back it just gave me too much anxiety i mean my phone used to keep beeping for false lows and false highs and i just i lost hope i used to think that if this is what my life is going to look like for the next 50 60 years then i do not want it because at night if you're asleep and then you go tell your mom that listen something's happening i don't know what to do but the glucometer is showing a different level so do we assume that in a couple of hours maybe i'm going to go in a hypo and take that you know hypo treat right now or and if i do that then couple of hours later i'm not in a hypo in fact i'm in a hyper so that just made things very bad for me and i decided that devices are not for me at least not right now and i'm very happy with my four to five times testing myself in a day and just taking my insulin can you talk a little bit more about the taboo that's over there i've i've never actually heard that it's not like you just don't take injections in public you don't put ha- like have stuff on your arms can you help educate us on on that so in india that people still don't know that small kids young adults can still get type 1 diabetes or diabetes like even gestational diabetes here is not a very commonly known thing so my first few years because the fir- the third year of my diagnosis i was entering college and that time was my first time where i was going to be among such a crowd of people and i have to take my injection publicly i have to test myself publicly so when those first few months where i had my peer group i had people around me everybody used to be very intrigued that oh why is she taking an injection and i used to tell them that i have type 1 diabetes i have to take insulin so they used to be like oh but yeah even my grandmother has diabetes eat this eat that you'll be fine and how do you tell them that listen your grandparents diabetes and my diabetes is very different like my grandmom has diabetes as well but it's two different things so on an airport every time you check in the security person asks you ma'am may you please open your bag i see a needle and you tell them that listen this is an insulin pen that needle is for that if i do not have this i'm going to die because they always look at you with this thing in their mind that oh my god what is this this one time i was at a restaurant and there was a family sitting beside me so of course i placed my order and i checked my sugars and i had to take my insulin now the moment i put my pen like this the mother who was sitting beside me tells her child listen stay away from this girl she doesn't seem right and she pulled her kid away from me because before that the kid was just coming to me and he was trying to play with me 
but the moment i took my injection she pulls me back and tells me that pulls him back and says no stay away from her wow. because she probably assumed that i'm taking drugs or something in public and does not want her kid to be under such influence yeah. so there is no awareness there is no knowledge here that something like this can happen to young kids to young adults basically anybody at any point of their life it does not come knocking to you that hey i'm coming be ready yeah so is is part of your mission to be that advocate in india to raise awareness for type 1 diabetes yes so even when it comes to spreading awareness i took a while to really get used to and get the hang of diabetes to understand type 1 diabetes how my body reacts with it and i think this happened during the pandemic after we lost my grandmother in the pandemic all the fuss at home we went into a shell we went into a kind of bubble where things just did not seem right and i did not give a damn about where my sugar levels were going how my body was treating it i did not care because losing a grandparent who you're so close to it changes you and when i first thought of applying for the virtual edition of the pageant that year i just gave it a shot that okay let's just give it a shot i'm i don't know i don't think i'm going to make it but there's no harm in seeing how the virtual edition goes and when they told me that listen we think your diabetes is not something we understand because i was not able to convince them that this is not something that's a problem and when i told them that i can pull off and manage my diabetes i i sort of felt that i wasn't confident when i said that and that's the day i decided that i have to take charge of this i mean it's not going anywhere so if i can't convince them how am i going to convince people much bigger maybe in life when i have to get a job for myself and they ask me that how is your diabetes not going to be a problem or when i'm getting married if somebody asks me how are you going to manage and that's when i decided that if i am feeling this imagine the younger kids who are still maybe coming close to their diagnosis or just been diagnosed what do you tell such children that listen life is not going to be as tough as you feel and that's when i thought that i have to be that source of information for kill, for children because i did not have somebody when i was diagnosed to really ask questions to but i thought that there has to be this one person at least who can answer these questions when somebody just comes up and says listen is my life going to be all right am i going to do things that i don't think i can do anymore so now that you're on the other side of kind of having accepted diabetes and taken charge of it do you have you noticed that you have any maybe favorite things about it i know we all have the least favorites but the favorite question is kind of interesting cuz some people just can't think of something I think my most favorite thing is actually when people get intrigued by what is this and I have that perfect opportunity to spread more awareness and tell them about type 1 diabetes because the moment you tell them that this happens with children this happens with young adults the expression that comes on their face like are you serious 
I'm like, that is my most favorite thing. Like, yes, I educated somebody more today. One more person in India today knows about type 1 diabetes. Oh, that's awesome. Is type 2 more prevalent there than type 1? I figured it's probably like that all across the world. Um, yes. So she's nodding her head, yes. Have you found a specific diet that helps you manage your blood sugars? I, I know like Indian cuisine is just so carb rich that I'm, I'm very curious about what you happen to eat to keep your blood sugars in range. So we Indians, we love our food. We love our spices. We love our oils as what it might sound. But so when I was first diagnosed, my doctor told me that you cannot be eating certain types of fruits certain type of of course it goes without saying that the sugary stuff cannot be taken and you cannot have white rice because over here white rice shoots up our insulin levels much more as compared to brown rice or any other kind of rice and also he told me that I would prefer if you have a protein rich diet and if you can keep your carbs down and I just looked at him like so what do you want me to eat basically please tell me that because he told me you can't eat bananas, you can't eat mangoes, you can't eat um, muskmelons. And I was like, that's literally all my favorite fruits. And then you're telling me that I can't eat butterscotch ice cream, I can't eat chocolate ice cream, I can't eat my pastries. You're telling me I can't be a kid anymore. But I started it out with trying to stick to just homemade food. But when you reach college you realize that that's not possible anymore because you have to leave home you have to be around a certain community you have people from all across India living with you you have times where you will go out and home food is not going to come to your rescue so the first few years I tried managing it with my non-vegetarian diet where I was eating my chicken but now after the first three years of my diagnosis, I have completely gone vegetarian. I mean, I have eggs, but I prefer having a vegetarian diet. Also because non-vegetarian, I realized on my body, it tends to spike my sugars at times. So I stopped eating that. And now today I'm on intermittent fasting. So that means that I eat only two times a day. And I've actually realized that my sugar levels have been a lot better since I started it and my energy levels are also very high after that because I used to assume that I'm going to feel very lazy or very tired after a day but it does not happen that way. I mean I'm actually much better now and I'm not so concerned only because I'm eating two times a day that maybe my sugars might be down or they might be too high because I feel like as T1s we know that our body just sometimes tells us that hey, you're low or hey, you're high. Just give it a check once. And once, maybe if I feel that, I'll check my sugars. But otherwise, it's been fine. And I stick to my carbs. I do have my banana now. I do have my chocolates. I do have my ice creams. It took me a lot of time to understand that I can eat everything. I just have to know the right kind of ratios to manage it. I love that you're on intermittent fasting. I do that too. It's been like a game changer with my blood sugars and my weight. I also yes. love that you're doing it when you're on testing your blood sugar manually and on injections. That's that's yes. like a whole nother level of complexity and you're just killing it. I love it. 
Okay, tell me more about the pageant. So it's India's Miss TGPC, is that right? Yes. What does that stand for? The acronym for TGPC is the Great Pageant Community. And it's basically India's first and largest pageant portal that exists. And so we have a lot of pageant pages, pageant bloggers, and a lot of these pageant experts that have now come in over the last few years. And TGPC is India's first ever. So in 2013, they decided to have a virtual pageant. And that was something that till date in the world, nobody has been able to pull off where you're having a national pageant with girls from the comfort of their home and yet having that feeling of becoming a Miss India because every girl here in India, and I'm sure even back in the US, a lot of girls dream of becoming Miss USA, Miss America. And it's the same here that every girl here dreams, grows up dreaming about becoming a Miss India. So these guys, they are the world's first and the only virtual pageant. And it's not something that's very small. So in my year this year, we had 8,000 entries from all across the country. And I ended up being in the top five after that. So I was super happy. And Congratulations. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. How did you get involved with pageantry to begin with? I first saw my pageant dream when I was 11. And this is way before I was diagnosed with diabetes. So I sat down on a Sunday because on Sundays back then in 2009, it was a family ritual on Sundays that everybody in India would sit down in front of the TV, have dinner and just like maybe watch an award show or a movie that's coming up. And we have a good time. But that particular Sunday, there was no movie, there was no award show and a very familiar tune played when I was switching channels. And I realized that I've heard this tune somewhere on a music channel when I have have this habit of listening to music on the TV a couple of hours in a day back then. And I realized that, oh, this sounds interesting. Let's sit and watch this. And that's when it came on the screen, Femina Miss India. And I sat down and I saw the whole pageant. So towards the crowning part, when they crowned those two girls that night, or Femina Miss India World to represent India at Miss World, and Femina Miss India Universe to represent India at Miss Universe. That particular girl who won Miss India Universe that night, she had a bob cut and she had nine tattoos all over her body. When I saw that girl, I felt, but that's not a typical looking Miss India. And when I saw her, I was like, if this girl can do it, then why not me? Because I was always fascinated with body art. And I do have four tattoos today on me. So I feel, I felt so fascinated with the crown coming on you. And then I ended up watching Miss Universe and Miss World that year as well. And ever since there's been no looking back, it's been 13 years now since I've been following every single thing when it comes to pageants. I've sort of become a pageant expert myself because people say that I have more knowledge about pageants than I'll probably end up having about anything else in life. So at this point, you could consult if they ever do another Miss Congeniality movie. Yes. If I do that, I would love to. If I I do that, I would love to have a Miss Congeniality movie. But this time with Sandra Bullock having type 1 diabetes. Yes. 
Yes, Sandra Bullock, if you're listening, <laughs> pitch this. <laughs> Are you going to be doing the Miss India TGPC pageant in the future? Or like what what's in, in your horizon for pageantry? So I've already won India's Miss TGPC. And for me, what's next is now I have applied for the original Miss India here in India, which is the Femina Miss India pageant. And this is actually my eighth try. And by the time this podcast comes out, I'm hoping that I should be selected as one of the state title winners so that I can compete for the main top title then. Because if that happens, then it becomes a game changer for not just me, but for all type one girls, especially in India, because there has never been a girl with a chronic condition taking part in the national pageant in the country. And if that happens, then I don't think once I've made it, anything can stop me from winning the main crown. And if I do get that, then there better be a type 1 diabetes revolution in the country. Fingers crossed. And also, don't you mean when you win it? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Side question. Do you happen to know how many type 1 kids there are in India? So we actually don't have a registry here, which gives us an exact number as to how many kids or how many young adults have type 1 diabetes in India. There is an estimated number that always comes out that for this year, like for example, this year, the estimated number was that 3,28,000 kids in India might have type 1 diabetes. And this is still keeping in mind that the remotest areas of our country have still not been touched because 70% of India's population is rural India. There's only 30% that is actually urban India. And there are still places that we cannot have access to because these guys, they do not want the civilization to enter there and take what's already theirs. So there is still a lot of people who are not open to this idea. And if we keep that in mind, then now they don't know, obviously, what is type 1 diabetes. They don't know. I'm sure they don't even know what is diabetes. So for them to have access, for them to have any kind of resources or be open to speaking to people about this, it's going to take years. I hope this is the start of some kind of advocacy journey to be able to bring awareness to the rest of that 70%. That is a huge number of people. Yes. And it's 70% of a country that has 1.4 billion population. So that's a lot, a lot, a lot of people. It's like 70% of a lot is a lot. (laughs) Absolutely. Switching gears a little bit. You are also a styling consultant. What is your advice for type 1 diabetics who don't really know how to incorporate uh, maybe their devices into their style? I know you don't personally wear devices, but if you have any tips for people who aren't comfortable showing their diabetes, what would you say to that? I think, so when when I was wearing my CGM as well, this is something that had popped up into my mind that, okay, how am I supposed to wear certain clothes? Or what if it's going to show? What will people say? Because it's a device. It's on you. It's stuck on you. People are going to ask questions. And the first two weeks, I kept having this doubt that I'm not really comfortable. My Either my top is constantly pulling over it or my 
if if i'm wearing it on my thighs then even if i'm wearing shorts it's something that's just constantly causing problems for me but then i realized that it's not something that's actually part of you it's just something that's on you so your clothes are something you wear so that you can pull them off and not that they pull you off so why can't we apply the same thing to our cgm that i am going to pull you off you are not going to pull me off i can look better and stylish wearing this because this is an accessory it's not who i am as a person it's an accessory that i have put i can remove it any time i want that is the mentality that people need to go with and when it comes to uh, pumps because cgms are very different cgms you can take out very often as compared to pumps pumps when you wear them i say why not flaunt your pump because when we can hang our phones on our waists when we wear our fanny packs or our beach bum bags why can't we flaunt our pumps it's not something that's very fascinating i mean there was a time where we all used to wear our parents not us but the y2k generation they literally used to wear their flip phones on their waists and it literally looks the same with a pump like it looks like there's a flip phone attached over here to your body and it was fashion back then and y2k is coming back so why can't it be fashion now again it's not going to really you know cause this thing that oh i'm not looking stylish because trust me when you have devices when you have accessories on you it just lifts your outfit up more and that is the best styling advice i can give as a stylist that accessorize and just lift your outfit up first of all calling it an accessory is amazing i've never heard that before and second of yes. all i i personally have had people ask if i'm wearing a pager <laughs> like <laughs> it's not the 90s anymore buddy but i can teach you now that i'm wearing an insulin pump and what that means exactly. <laughs> i love it so that's what i'm saying that we need to understand that fashion and history repeat themselves So if Y2K is coming back I mean everybody is wearing all these torn out clothes so why not wear flip phones or pumps Yeah I mean I think they they've just come out with a flip phone that's touch screen Yes It's like an actual flip smartphone I'm like why would you do that to the screen <laughs> <laughs> But if you can buy it they're going to buy it Exactly <laughs> You're also an MBA student What's your favorite part about that and what do you hope to do with the degree when you're done? So, I actually tumbled upon my MBA in the pursuit of pursuing my MBA, my master's in fashion styling. But because of the pandemic, I couldn't go to Florence, which was my initial plan that I would go to Florence and do my master's in styling there. So, that did not happen. The government did not allow us to travel and the vaccine hadn't come out yet. So, it was very difficult and very scary for me to leave home, go to a different country in case covid hits me. Who am I going to get in touch with over there? So, then my brother suggested that listen, you really want to do something, I suggest you do an MBA but in fashion. And I gave it a thought. I did my research. and i came across this course where i could literally do all my two years virtually sitting at home in the hope that maybe once the pandemic subsides down then at least i can you know step out and go somewhere and it's been going so great i am doing it in luxury management 
something that I had always only been very fascinated by. But now that I'm actually studying it, now that I'm actually studying all these luxury brands that I've still always been dreaming to hopefully one day be able to purchase, I think the best part about this is, of course, that I get to do it from home. So I'm here with my family. They see me in front of them every day. But also the fact that once I'm done with this, I know that one thing I'm for sure going to incorporate and try to maybe bring to the table to at least one of these brands would be something when it comes to luxury, but with type 1 diabetes. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would definitely want a fancy looking CGM or a fancy looking device or at least some sort of, I mean, if Kate Moss's daughter, when she walks down the runway wearing a CGM on her thigh, why is it that we as brands cannot do this more often and we cannot incorporate fashion that's really helping type 1 diabetics or people who wear devices and any sort of accessory that they feel like wearing for their chronic condition. That is something that I would really want to pitch into hopefully a brand that would understand this and accept this, not just on an India level, but on a global level. Because it's really important to do this on a global level and not just a country-wise level, be it India or be it the US or be it the UK. It has to be globally done. Yeah. Have you heard of Mayabetic? They're doing really kind of high, high-end high fashionable accessories yes. for type 1. I love it. Yes. I, I have one of their bags and it's so nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's my travel bag. On your application, you wrote... And I'm quoting you here. I was told I can't do everything I'm doing today. So I think many type 1 diabetics hear that. Tell us more about how you proved those particular people wrong. So the first stigma that was literally stuck to my head was you cannot work out. You cannot go to the gym. And you cannot possibly live a normal life, normal life the way people have been living all these years. So it really used to hurt me because I've always been into fitness. I've always been somebody who's been caring about my body. And when the doctor told me that, I actually took it to like, it's to the core that, okay, I cannot work out. I cannot go to the gym. So then what am I supposed to do? Until I met my coach last year in India, who's also a type 1 diabetic. I'm the only person in India right now who has literally revolutionized fitness and training for type 1 diabetics. So he is a man with a proper six-pack ab who has his CGM on him. And he is so particular about the way he works out that instantly I knew I have to get in touch with him because I need to take care of my body. And I wondered that, wait, is he really type 1 diabetic? Because if he's having this sort of a body, then I don't think he's a type 1 diabetic. And he literally changed my mind and told me that who told you that you can't work out? Look at me. I lift every possible weight. I do deadlifts. I do what not with what number of weight you give me, I'll do it. And I was like, this man is my inspiration. I want to be able to do this. I mean, I don't want to do deadlifts of a hundred kgs right now, but I want to be able to start working out and just taking better care of my body. And another thing that was told to me was that you might not get married and you may not have kids. And the sentence of you may not have kids, that is still something I'm mentally dealing with because in the last year when I got PCOD as well, 
And when my prolactin levels went so high, the doctor told me that if we don't start you an immediate medication, you might become infertile. So that literally, it mentally has scarred me because I've always wanted to be a mother. I've always wanted to imagine myself having that life. So these were a couple of things that took a toll on my head. And when people tell you that you cannot do this or you can't achieve this, like I was told I cannot join the army here in India because I'm a type 1 diabetic. My initial plan in life was to become an army doctor because that was something that I had dreamt of, my family had dreamt of for me. And it was something I really enjoyed as a cadet over here was training to be joining the army in a couple of years. I really enjoyed what I was doing as a child. But then when I told them that I have type 1 diabetes and they said that we cannot take you further anymore after this, it really hurt me because I had to restart and plan my life, have a new vision, have a new ambition for myself all over again. And then I decided that, okay, let's do fashion because this is maybe the next thing that I'm closest to right now. And in that, when I started doing pageants, people told me that your diabetes is not something we really understand. And we don't think a type 1 diabetic can ever be a pageant winner. And last year, I proved them wrong that, listen, hey, I am India's first ever Miss Type 1 Diabetic Pageant winner. like. There is no going back from this. I did something you told me I couldn't do only because I really badly wanted to do it. I have always had plans, ambitions and dreams for myself, which I keep. So people have a bucket list of traveling. I have a bucket list of things for myself and I have been constantly picking those off. And this was one thing that really was bothering me for all these years that this is the only thing that's not happening. How can I make it happen? And when it happened, when they announced my name that day, I was in shock for a second because I was like, did I really tick off another thing? Like, did this really happen? So when people tell me that, oh, you can't do this or anybody else, because kids who are very small and have been diagnosed, they probably want to become an astronaut when they grow up. They probably do want to become a scuba diver maybe when they grow up and somebody tells them that, listen, no, it's not possible for you to go to space with a CGM or a device or go underwater. It is possible. We have a lot of resources today where everything is possible. It's just that stop telling people it's not possible because you can't define what they want and what they have to do in life. Let them take charge. They live with their diabetes 24-7. You just watch it as an audience all day. So don't tell somebody what to feel. Define it for them because they know it better than you do. Yes. 100% yes. Oh, man. On the bucket list idea, do you have a bucket list of pageants that you want to win? So the Number one that has always been in my bucket list is this, Femina Miss India. But in case it does not happen, because this is my eighth, but not my last try. My last try would be next year in case this year doesn't happen. Then my backup plan is two other national pageants that are there. One is called Miss Queen of India. And another would be a Mrs. India for the day when I do get married. And I assume that 
they cannot tell a missus that listen you cannot be a type 1 diabetic and a pageant winner because i will prove them wrong <laughs> so that's my uh, backup plan that okay if not as a miss then maybe let's win it as a missus what about any international pageants are there any international pageants on your horizon so if i do win femina miss india or if i do win a national pageant here then of course i would be representing my country as india and not as prachi and once i reach there i think it all comes down to the kind of competition you have the kind of things that the judges are looking for but if ever given an opportunity where i would love to represent my country all t1ds across the globe then right now it would be miss world because that's a pageant that really has done so well for so many communities for so many people all across the globe with their beauty with the purpose and if they are made aware about type 1 diabetes then the kind of funding that they have the kind of resources that they have the contacts that they have a lot of countries especially the underdeveloped countries their future can change because of the information that could start reaching out to them that this is something that can happen and you can reach out to these people in case you know about this and you know you have to get in touch with somebody now what's the message you want young type 1 diabetics to hear especially the ones that are in in india so for the young kids that are here in india whether you're diagnosed or not with type 1 diabetes i would just say that don't let the naysayers come in your way because a lot of people are trying to bring you down but it's actually only you the day you decide that i can't do this anymore you will actually not be able to do whatever you want to because that little spark that little dream that pops up in the middle of the night hold on to it it might be as absurd as wanting to ride a horse on a beach but hold on to it there's nothing wrong with it just hold on to your dream and i'm sure things will start falling into place because when you start with this determination that i want this i'm going to do this you yourself start planning out your life in such a way and then the right people come to you the right things come to you so just don't give up because the moment you give up it's the end of the chapter it's the end of the story and then you'll have to restart again and that's not a good feeling yeah hold on to your dreams i think that's yes. universal not just for the, yes. the kids in in india do you have any projects that you're working on right now that you're super excited about so i recently actually attended the who meeting that took place with diabetes and over there i i actually got to meet a lot of people with type 1 diabetes all across the globe approximately 53 countries and people with different stories different backgrounds and that really inspired me to be able to reach out to people and bring their stories out in public that this is something that's a matter of concern this is something that needs to be globally more vocally spoken about because if the who is showing so much interest if the larger health organizations of the world are showing so much interest in a condition like type 1 diabetes 
then I think it's time that we really work on this. So for this, I've recently started going to schools here, the local government schools here in India, and I've started interacting with young children and talking to them about type 1 diabetes, educating them that this is something that might happen. But if it does, then don't worry. It's not the end of the world. It might feel like that in that moment, but you will get better with it in time. And the funniest thing was that the day I showed them my injections and the needle is this tiny on our pens, but like when you go for a blood test or something else, the needles are much longer and thicker. So these kids, they were so fascinated by that needle. And then I just took my insulin at that moment because my sugar was also a little high. So I just took a couple of units in front of them and then I took it out and they just come up to me and they ask me, didn't that hurt? Like, we suddenly felt hurt seeing you do that. And I said, no, it, it trust me, it does not hurt. So that little innocence that I saw on their faces, that is something that I wish to work for on the longer run, irrespective of whether pageants happen for me or not. But this is something that I've decided to really do now that people need to know this more now. I love it. Love it so much. Okay. Where can people find you online? So the one place that you would definitely find me is on Instagram with my name, which is at Prachi Nakpal. Prachi with a double A. Please do not type it with a single A. I do not acknowledge my presence if it's with a single A, because that's not me. I'm Prachi with a double A. And it's one place where I can just be myself with my pageant activities, my modeling work or my diabetes advocacy it's one place where i am finally not scared of telling the truth i love it okay thank you so much for coming on the show it's been awesome talking with you thank you for having me and i'm so glad that i woke up at 4 a.m to do this (laughs) yeah yeah everybody listening she is an early bird for us today thank you Thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciated having you. And our question for you guys this week is, what are your wild goals and dreams that seem to be a maybe a little bit out of a reach for because you're type 1 diabetic? And what if they were not out of reach? Let us know in the comments. That is it for this episode of This is Type 1. Thank you so much to Prachi for coming on as a guest to the show. You can find her on Instagram at Prachi Nagpal, and that's P-R-A-A. C-H-I-N-A-G-P-A-L. And as she said in the episode, if there's a Prachi out there with one A, that is not her. Her name has two A's in it. And a link to that is in the show notes if you want to just get it there. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 141. Apply to be a guest by visiting thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. You don't have to figure out how to manage your mind around type 1 diabetes all on your own. This is what I coach on. So are you ready to have that peace of mind and confidence in yourself as a type 1 diabetic without changing anything about yourself? If so, send me a message. I'm on all social media as at Inspired Forward, and our email is Colleen at InspiredForward.com. And our podcast Instagram is This Is Type 1 Pod. I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. So please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. If you do reach out on Instagram, just make sure you let me know you're a listener. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week for another episode about real life with type 1 diabetes. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.